to the Vulgar Esperantist. The Vulgar Esperantist is a series in which we will learn together um, everyday Esperanto. Now, the title of the series, The Vulgar Esperantist, is not speaking of vulgar in the modern sense. It is speaking of the word vulgar in the traditional sense, meaning a common language, the common of the people. Um, and what I mean by that is that we're not concerned with any kind of low-level grammatical issues or, or debates of semantics or anything like that. We're just interested in learning Esperanto on a level and in a way that we can use uh, Esperanto on an everyday basis to better communicate across national and uh, cultural and linguistic barriers. Because that is what Esperanto is all about. Mi nomo estas setko kajmi estos via instruiston. This is episode one. Intro to Esperanto. Esperanto was invented probably about, let's say, a hundred years ago. Um, and the idea behind Esperanto at the time, it was it was invented by, uh, I believe, a Jewish-German man who saw a need for some language that could be understood across, like I said in the intro, national and cultural and linguistic uh, barriers. So the point of Esperanto is that no matter what you speak natively, uh, there could be one language that everyone learns as their second language, and this second language could be Esperanto. And so obviously that right there brings in a common denominator, and automatically everyone will be able to speak this language uh, together. And whereas you might think, well, yeah, but English is kind of the unofficial second language now. You know, so many countries around the world... Uh, people have learned English, it's kind of the business language, it's political language, it's it's serving the same purpose. And while this may or may not be true, it's obviously a debatable point, there's a lot of, um, there, there's, a, there's a certain amount of weight that comes along with learning a certain language from a certain culture as your second language. For instance, if you go to France, and this is just, everyone picks on the French, but I'm just, I'm using this because this is my personal experience. Go to France, you're going to find a lot of people not necessarily wanting to speak English. You might speak English, you try to speak to them in English, and they will, I think, admirably attempt to get you to speak French. So that it's not an assumption that, yes, English is the other language that we all speak. And you see the same kind of resistance, although sort of a, almost from an opposite uh, way here in the States, in the, in the United States. You'll see a lot of, there, there's kind of the classic, um, you know, uh, there's the classic American line, you know, learn to speak the language. You know, you're in America, learn to speak American. That kind of sentiment, you, you'll see that a lot. And so you see people coming in from Mexico or from South America and they might not know English that well. And so even though while Americans are typically considered 
uh, economically better off than Mexico and, and, and parts of South America. Um, and, and, and in theory, Americans would be able to have the, the resources to learn a second language, especially something that is as significant as Spanish, uh, being just, just right on the same continent as they are. Uh, you're finding a lot of Americans not learning Spanish and a lot of Americans resisting uh, the need to learn Spanish, even though there's sort of an obvious advantage to knowing a second language, um, they don't want to learn it because, by principle, they feel that since it's their country, they shouldn't have to learn any other language to accommodate someone coming into the country. So, obviously, there's a lot of kind of weight and political debate and uh, linguistic pride and cultural pride in a language. Now, if you take if you bring in a third party something that has no origin in a country or a group of people, such as Esperanto, which is a man-made language. It sprung from just simply the desire to communicate no matter what everyone else speaks for their first primary language. It is an intentional, uh, neutral second language. That, that eliminates a lot of that kind of discontent about, well, why do I have to learn your language? You should have to learn my language. It's a lot easier, maybe, to agree that we won't learn either language. We'll just learn this third language, Esperanto. That's kind of the rough idea, at least how I see it. There's probably other takes on Esperanto. There's certainly, I know, a, a more linguistic following, sort of an interest in just the idea of a of an invented language rather than you know, a manufactured language and, and rather than a um, an organic language. So you've got you've got lots of different takes. I'm not a linguist, so I can't really bring a whole lot to that discussion. My purpose for learning Esperanto uh, is to be able to learn a neutral language that will be able to be spoken uh, to other Esperantists, regardless of their primary tongue. I think that's neat. I think the ideal is neat, and um, I don't know Esperanto that well. So when I say that we are going to learn Esperanto together, it truly is. Uh, we're going to be learning Esperanto together. I've studied it for a little while, but I'm by no means fluent in it. Uh, and so I'm going to be learning more or less along with you. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who know a lot more about Esperanto than I do. There are linguists out there who will know a lot more about grammar and uh, sentence structure and uh, conjugation and tenses and everything like that, a lot more than I do. The problem is that I was looking for an Esperanto podcast. I could not find one. I pitched a Esperanto podcast to a couple of people who did speak Esperanto, and I just simply could not get it to occur. I couldn't get the, the talents necessary together to make that happen, and so I decided to just do one anyway, do it myself, and anyone who wants to learn along with me is certainly welcome to do so. So if you've got any comments, uh, constructive criticism, anything like that, please do let me know after each episode if I'm mispronouncing something or if I'm misidentifying a certain uh, class of, of words. Um, please do tell me. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a great way to learn for everyone. So let's, um, since... Since this is the first lesson, let's just kind of start with some of the real basics. 
And this is some of the stuff that, when I saw it, I, it made me excited about Esperanto because it showed me how easy this was going to be to learn. And this is a, and it's quite true. It is quite easy to learn. So um, let's just do some vocabulary. And from this vocabulary, I think we're going to learn um, a little bit extra about the language. So since you're listening to a podcast, I'm going to assume that uh, you've acquired the podcast by means of a computer and the internet, and you're probably listening to it on some kind of digital device. So um, let's assume that we have some common denominator of of uh, interests in computers. So we'll start with some computer terms in Esperanto. Okay, so computilo. Computilo is computer. Computiloi is computers, plural. Computilo is computer. Computiloi is computers. Okay, so a computer screen, ecrano. Screen, ecrano. Now, what do you think the plural of that would be? Right, ecranoi. So, ecrano is screen, ecranoi is screens. So you're getting the feel for it already, I'm sure. Nouns end in an O in Esperanto. If it's a noun, a person, place, thing, it ends in an O. The wonderful thing about Esperanto is that there are no genders, gender endings, or anything like that. Spanish and French and Latin, you've got, well, certainly in Latin, you've got the masculine and the feminine and the neuter um, endings. Uh, Spanish, you have various uh, feminine endings and masculine endings and French, all these languages uh, decide, as far as I can tell, arbitrarily that an object is either masculine or feminine. And you need to know what it is and then every verb that you use in relation to it needs to match that. Or not verb, but adjective needs to match the, the gender, everything like that, right? Not in Esperanto. If it's a noun, it ends in an O. It's a really simplified um, thing. It's It's quite nice. So, ecrano, screen, ecranoi, screens. Clavaro, keyboard. Clavaroi, keyboards. Interetto, internet. That's kind of cool. Um, let's think of some others. Okay, so programaro. Now, what would that be? Programaro would be a program, right? Or an application. So now let's, let's take programaro. And let's assign some, uh, maybe some adjectives to it. So let's say, libera programaro. That would be free programming or free software. Facila programo. Easy application, easy software, easy program. Bona programaro. A good program, a good application. Ruzza. Smart or clever programaro. So, from this, you're already probably seeing that adjectives end in an A. So again, no matter what, doesn't matter what the the noun is, um, what the noun, you know, there's no gender, so it's, it's just, um, it's going to end in an O, and the adjective is going to be ending in an A, no matter what. It's a very handy um, way of, of breaking things down because you don't have to worry about anything except 
Is it a noun or an adjective? And usually that's a pretty easy thing to uh, decipher. Even for someone like me, who I really don't know that much about grammar, I know what an adjective is versus a noun. So, libera programaro would be free software. Facila programaro, easy software. Bona, good. Ruzza, smart. That's R-U-Z-A, Ruzza, smart, clever. Okay, so if it's programaro is the is the actual program, the actual noun version of the you know the software application. Uh, how do we get a program? Programmi. That is P-R-O-G-R-A-M-I. Programmi, to program. Uh, what do you do on a clavaro keyboard? Typey, you, to type. And that is T-A-J-P-I. Typey, to type. Uh, what do you do to something that you've typed? Printy, to print. Okay, so from this, you're probably gathering that verbs in their infinitive form, and that's a big fancy word, meaning when the verb is just kind of to do, you know, to print, to type, to program. That's called the infinitive. So the verb in that form, in its most basic to verb form, ends in an I. Now, obviously, there are going to be other endings for verbs because you don't always say to type. You'll say other things like typing, typed, things like that, past and present tenses and uh, ways of, of commanding someone to type, things like that. So there are other endings for verbs. That gets a little bit more complex, but if it's the infinitive form, so if you're saying that you're going to type, it would be, you know, type B, ends in an I. Utsi, use the I, to use. And so things like Uzu Libera Programaro, use free software. The U ending on a verb is the commanding uh, form. I know there's a term for that slipping my mind right now, but when you're telling someone to do something, it's a U instead of the I. So if you're if you're a manager and you've got a lot of programmers working for you, you would go out onto the floor and yell at them and tell them programaru. No, you would tell them programu. So you would just take the programmi, drop the I and put a U on the end, and that is telling them to program. Go go program. Programu. So as you can see, Esperanto is pretty pretty simple in a lot of ways and, and to be honest it doesn't get a whole lot more complex than what we're doing right now. The endings stay very, very consistent. They're not things that are going to change a whole lot. Um, I mean, they'll change depending on how you know what tense you're using them in. But in terms of worrying about complex gender issues and 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 exceptions, there just aren't any. Uh, you, if you if you've ever studied French, I know there are a lot of well, in Latin, uh, there are a lot of uh, exceptions to a lot of the different rules. Well, and English, I mean, give me a break. There are so many exceptions in English. Um, you know, you've got all these conjugation rules for your verbs, and then you've got all these different verbs that just happen not to follow those rules. 
and that drives a new learner crazy. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it drives a native speaker crazy. Think of how how few of the exceptions we really know ourselves, when to say lie and when to say lay, and you know the plural of mouse and moose and things like that. Just so many different exceptions making no apparent sense. But in Esperanto, it was designed from the beginning to contain none of these exceptions. It is simply a very standard way of doing things. One rule that it is give if they give you one rule, it's going to be that way no matter what. It's a really fantastic um, way to learn a language because once you learn the concept once, you basically will never have to forget it. So let's review what we've learned in terms of concepts in this first episode. Nouns end in an O. Plural nouns end in an OJ. And the J is pronounced as a Y. So komputiloi, that's actually spelled K-O-M-P-U-T-I-L-O-J. Komputiloi. Uh, ekranoi, that's a J at the end. So it looks like komputiloj, but it's komputiloi. J is pronounced as a Y in Esperanto. We've learned that A is the ending for all adjectives. And that's kind of easy to remember for me because A, adjective, A, adjective, A, adjective. You just starts with the same letter, right? So libera is free. Fazila, easy. Bona, good. Ruzza, smart, clever. Verbs in their infinitive form so that's that basic kind of, here's the verb, in the infinitive form, starts with, uh, ends in an I. Programmy, to program. Typey, to type. Printy, to print. Utsi, to use. Simple as that. Um, the bonus lesson was the U ending, which is the commanding verb form. So, programu, go, go program. Typu, go type. Printu, go print. Utsu, use. Utsu libera programaro. Utsu libera programaro. Use free software. Simple as that. As long as you can remember some of those basic ideas and study some vocabulary, you will be making rudimentary Esperanto sentences in no time, just like we've done right now. So... Go out and find a good vocabulary list online. Unfortunately, I do not have one to refer you to right now, although I guess the de facto site right now to learn Esperanto on or from is learnu.net. Now, what do you think learnu means? L-E-R-N-U, so it's the U ending, right? So that's the commanding, and then learn probably is probably means learn, so that's learnu.net, so it's it means learn. See how easy Esperanto is? It's just phenomenally easy. Learnu.net. Um, check that out. They've got it's it's kind of a weird layout. The site it doesn't doesn't have big flashy buttons everywhere. You just kind of have to dig around. But there are vocabulary lists in there. And then if you just go to the bookstore and look for you know books on Esperanto, you will find you will find good instructions on on Esperanto as well. But Hunt around online as well. You'll find good vocabulary lists that you can start using 
Uh, Lernu.net is definitely a very good source for all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, just dive right in. It's 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 pretty easy when you when you start. You'll 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 see pretty quickly how simple it all is. It's a very exciting language, and uh, you know it'll be cool to to know it because you never know. You you meet all kinds of people in the strangest places who actually speak Esperanto. Um, it seems to be kind of big among the geeky crowd as well. So if you are into computers, programming, things like that, you'd be surprised at how many of these programmer types actually do study Esperanto. So check it out, try it out. Um, and the next lesson, we'll just we'll start plowing through Esperanto lessons. Simple as that. It'll be fun. Thanks for joining me on the Vulgar Esperantist. <music> Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.